take up the offering right now. Kenny, would you ask the Lord's blessing over the offering tonight? Amen. Praise the Lord. It's good to be in the Lord's house tonight. Amen. Amen. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. I was glad <clears throat> when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Amen. Uh, again, I know it's something I say a lot, but one of these days we may realize just how uh, blessed that we are to have a church to come to and a place of worship such as this and so many people in, the, in our day neglect. Well, I tell you what, I just, uh, you know, uh, I don't care who it is, but I think one of the, one of the, um, one of the greatest travesties that could occur is for uh, uh, somebody to be guilty of leaving the house of bread. Amen. And we're going to talk about that tonight as uh, the Lord has uh, kind of led me to begin a study uh, in the book of Ruth. And for whatever reason, Ruth is one of those books that I've always wanted to, to uh, preach through. It's a short book, only four chapters, but it is jam-packed, absolutely full of Bible truths that are relevant. Some people say, well, uh, amen, uh, you know, uh, there's, nothing the, the, there's nothing in the Old Testament that's relevant uh, to God's people. Well, uh, the Bible uh, bleeds red from cover to cover, amen. It's all about Jesus. You can see Jesus 
Uh, amen. Brother William preached a few weeks back about uh, the ark. And uh, amen. The ark's all about Jesus. Amen. Uh, all of the uh, Old Testament uh, um, laws and, and ceremonies and even the tabernacle itself and, and, and uh, the furnishings of it, they're all about Jesus. Amen. You can find Christ. Uh, amen. The Old Testament looks forward to, forward to Christ. And uh, uh, I'm thankful uh, that the Bible is all about the cross. Aren't you? Thank God for that. So we do appreciate your presence. Appreciate uh, uh, Brother William filling in for me this morning. I just uh, heard he did a phenomenal job. Uh, and I appreciate that. Preaching on the parable of the sower. Uh, that's another one of those misunderstood parables. A lot of people, uh, you know, try to... Uh, interpreted in ways it wasn't meant to, but uh, amen, from what I heard, he was right on track, praise God, so I appreciate you, brother. It's good to have somebody you can trust, amen, to fill your pulpit, and that's not always the case, and I do appreciate him. I've been under the weather now for several days and had been sick, uh, leading into Friday, and then I made the, the brilliant decision, of course, uh, got to go out with William uh, me and Dad went out and, uh, 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 amen, uh, did some uh, public outreach and then made the, the, the brilliantly wise decision of go out and sitting in the rain uh, during a football game on Friday night. So I'm not looking for your sympathy, praise God. Uh, uh, amen. I already had, had the cold and then, uh, amen, it's just, but God's faithful and we're glad to be back in his house tonight and uh, amen. Just appreciate what he has done for us and what we believe he's going to do uh, on behalf of his people. Anything they ha Anybody have anything tonight that you'd like to share with the congregation before we go any further in the service? Has God been good to you? Anybody blessed tonight? Amen. <coughs> Amen. We were had the prayer gathering on Saturday, and uh, Brother Steve Hux uh, did a good job talking about the importance of staying on the wall. Amen. And uh, uh, when Sanballat and Tobiah tried to get Nehemiah to come down off the wall, he said, I can't come down because I'm building a great work. Uh, amen. And uh, friend, there's a great work still to do amen. in our day, and it's not about the size of it, the largeness, or the... Uh, the masses of the multitudes, it's just being about, it's about being faithful to the Lord. Uh, amen. And he sure has been faithful to us. So um, no excuse for unfaithfulness. Amen. So I want to be found faithful. Amen. Uh, anybody else? God been good to you tonight. Amen. That's right. That is true, brother. And, and I'm afraid, and, and I would, I'd, uh, must admit I'm guilty sometimes of neglecting what a privilege it is to um, uh, even preach the Word of God. Uh, even in fact, it's, it's uh, the privilege of all privileges. That God would entrust us with uh, with His Word, Amen. 
I want to be true to it. You want it. Amen. I want to, uh, uh, amen, be accurate in my preaching, but I want to live by it. And that's what we need today is uh, men and women who would live by the Word of God. You have anything tonight? Okay. I can. See how I sing it. This is three thirty seven in the gold book. You can sing along. Okay. I'll just string it out. Yeah. Yeah, I'll try it there and it gets too low to get it.
That um, that's where our case rests tonight at Calvary. And if it was any other court, the decision would be different, wouldn't it? Amen. Um, but I'm thankful that uh, after all the evidence has been considered, all the accusations have been made, the witnesses, amen, even though there was plenty enough evidence to convict me, uh, I'm thankful that Christ, as my advocate, as my intercessor, my mediator, uh, and my defense attorney, he was able to prove on the basis not of my righteousness, but on the basis of his righteousness, amen, that uh, uh, all the charges that have been brought against me are dismissed, case dismissed, amen. I've been found not guilty in the high court of heaven. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? Amen. All right. Uh, Holly and the girls, y'all come sing for preach tonight.
Savior's arms were open wide, and I felt love for the very first time. the 
thankful tonight, all my hopes in Jesus. Aren't you? And I'm thankful for the day when mercy found me. Amen. Well, I believe we've got someone else that's wanting to sing before we preach tonight. Brother Tillman, if, if you do anything like you did the last time, I'm going to enjoy it, brother. So you come and sing for us this evening. Appreciate this young man. Amen. And 
appreciate that, Tillman. Because I know he holds the future. Life is worth the living because Jesus lives. Amen. In fact, I'd go so far tonight to say that there's no such thing as life without Jesus Christ. Life without Jesus is nothing more than an existence. Uh, to live is to have Christ. Amen. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Right? Do you believe that this evening? Amen. Praise God. I'm thankful I know Jesus. And I can have as much life as I want. But in order for me to access the blessings and the benefits of that life, uh, newfound life in Christ, amen. I've got to, uh, uh, amen, got to make sure that I'm uh, plugged in, plugged in, that my roots are ground, anchored deep within uh, the soil of God's Word. Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, amen. Anybody else have anything tonight before we uh, preach? Turn with me in your Bibles, if you will, tonight to uh, the book of Ruth, the book of Ruth, chapter number one. And I'm still trying to come to grips with the fact that in 17 years of pastoring, that um, just short of 17 years of pastoring, how that I've never actually done a verse by verse or chapter by chapter study of the book of Ruth. And to be honest with you, that's uh, an indictment <laughs> uh, because it is one of the greatest books that are found within the Word of God. Uh, amen. And you say, Preacher, what is the theme of the book of Ruth? Well, I think it could be a twofold theme, and that is uh, the benefits and blessings of grace, but also... Uh, the privilege we have of knowing what it is to be redeemed by our kinsman redeemer. How many of you are thankful that you have a kinsman redeemer? And we probably won't get into that as much tonight as we will just, um, I really, uh, what led me uh, towards this study was my thoughts on chat number two. Uh, I love chat number two of the book of Ruth and just some events, some circumstances that transpired in my life today, to be honest with you. But, um, amen, uh, we can't get to chat number two until we cover chat number one. Uh, and uh, and I definitely, this, say, so preacher, how do you know this is where we're supposed to be? Well, for one reason, it parallels right along with what we've been studying in the, in the book of Jeremiah. Uh, this past Wednesday night, we preached on how important it is that we're not guilty of leaving Egypt. Amen? Or going to Egypt, excuse me. Uh, going to Egypt. Don't go to Egypt, whatever you do. And tonight uh, we'll see how uh, more example of that, not just Egypt, but Moab. Whether you go west or east, anytime you go away from the house of bread, it's not going to end well for you. So, um, Caroline, turn the pulpit mic off, if you will, please. And if there were uh, a title to, to, to tonight's message and these thoughts that are found here, chapter number one of the book of Ruth, we might say it this way, are you blessable? Is your life blessable? 
I was studying, preparing, and uh, the commentary I was using, giving the illustration of how that a, there was some kind of preacher's fellowship or conference taking place, and they had all gathered to pray. And this old, wise, seasoned preacher of the faith, while everybody, they said throughout the prayer time, it had been prayed over and over again, Lord, bless us, Lord, bless us. And certainly we do want the blessings of God in upon our lives. But all of a sudden, the old seasoned veteran preacher spoke up. He said, Lord, would you make us blessable? Help us to make sure we're blessable. Amen? Isn't that good? Uh, no doubt about it, friend, the Lord wants to bestow the abundance of His favor in and upon your life. God wants to bless you. In fact, I think we could all say tonight that we're blessed. Amen. God been good to anybody? And certainly we're um, uh, entering into this Thanksgiving season. By the way, Wednesday night we'll uh, have a special uh, time of fellowship and, and just uh, a reflection, just a, a, an informal Thanksgiving service that will end with observing the Lord's Supper on Wednesday night prior to Thanksgiving. Um, amen. Thanking God for His past and previous blessings. And I'm thankful for the things God has done for me in the past. But the question is, what's He going to do for me in the future? Well, I think part of uh, the amount and the degree of blessings God bestows upon my life in the future depends upon whether or not I am capable of being blessed. Where I am, whether or not I'm in the place of blessings. Uh, amen. Where, where, whether or not I'm in the, uh, the condition, spiritual condition, to where my life is capable of receiving the fullness of the blessings that God has uh, to bestow upon us. So let's consider uh, Ruth chapter number 1 tonight, beginning verse number 1. Uh, again, are you blessable? Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab. He and his wife and his two sons, and the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the name of his two sons, Malon and Chilion, Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah, and they came into the country of Moab, and they continued there. Well, when you're guilty of visiting Moab, most likely you'll settle down, and you'll stay there for a while. And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left and her two sons, and they took them wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpha, and the name of the other Ruth, and they dwelt there about ten years. And Malon and Chilion died, also both of them, and the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law, uh, two sons uh, and her husband. Then she arose, excuse me, with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. Wherefore she went forth out of the place where she was, and her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went 
on the way to return into the land of Judah. And Naomi said unto her two daughters-in-law, Go return each, of, each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as ye have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant you that ye may find rest, each of you in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept, and they said unto her, Surely we will return with thee unto thy people. And Naomi said, Turn again, my daughters. Why will you go with me? And are there yet any more sons in my womb that may be your husbands? Turn again, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have an husband. If I should say I have hope, if I should have an husband also tonight, and should also bear sons, would you tarry for them till they were grown? Would you stay for them from having husbands? Nay, my daughters, for it grieveth me much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord is gone out against me. And they lifted up their voice and wept again. And Orpha kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth yet clave unto her. She said, Behold, thy sister-in-law has gone back unto her people and unto her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee. Of course, this, this is one of the infamous verses of Scripture. Or to return from following after thee. For whether thou goest, I will go. And whether thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people and thy God my God. Whether thou diest, Will I die, and there will I be buried? The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. When she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she left speaking unto her, so they too were come to Bethlehem, that all the city uh, was moved about them, and they said, Is this Naomi? And she said unto them, Call me not Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Why then call ye me Naomi, seeing the Lord hath testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me? So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, with her, which returned out of the country of Moab. And they came to Bethlehem in the beginning of the barley harvest. Father in heaven, we love you tonight. God, we thank you so much, God, for your goodness. Thank you, Lord, that life is worth the living just because you live. Thank you, dear Jesus, uh, for the fact that one day mercy found me. Uh, Lord, I'm thankful, dear Jesus, God, uh, that all my hope is in you tonight. And Father, we just appreciate uh, the privilege we have to sing the songs, uh, Lord, to pray the prayers, and Lord, just to uh, Lord, lift up our voices in a word of testimony into thy high in the holy name, but we come now to the preaching hour, and we need you tonight. I need you, and Lord, I just pray that you would give us the bread uh, that we so desperately stand in need of tonight. Help us to glean from these truths, and Lord, that your word might be magnified, that your name might be exalted, and Lord, that we ourselves would be nothing but a servant. Uh, Lord, unworthy. God, we're just a lump of clay. We don't deserve anything from you. But we sure are thankful, as it's always been, already been said tonight, what a blessing it is to stand and preach the Word of God. Honor your Word tonight. Lord, we're going to praise you in advance for what you do. Cleanse us and forgive us from all unrighteousness. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said. Are you blessable tonight? 
Let's begin, let's just go right through the chapters to get as far as we can. Begin by noticing what I want to refer to as an oppression. Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled. So at this point in time, we know that Israel uh, did not have a king. This is uh, before God had ever appointed a king uh, in over them. And this is following the ministry of Joshua, the book of Joshua, and we know that uh, in the final farewell address of Joshua, chapter number 24, uh, he warned the people what would happen if they ended up uh, uh, departing from the Lord their God and worshiping idols. He commanded them to drive all the inhabitants out of the land, but instead they didn't do that, and they intermingled and they commingled uh, with the Canaanites and the Jebusites and uh, amen, I guess the, the Mossamites and the Greenvilleites, hallelujah. But uh, amen, uh, and as a result of their intermingling, uh, amen, instead of being an influence to uh, uh, the enemy, the enemy influenced them. And friend, that's what you've got to understand. When you tolerate that which is, which, which is an abomination unto the Lord, that which is contrary to the will and the Word of God, you say, oh, well, I... Uh, uh, I want to help this person. I want to help uh, be a positive influence on, uh, on them. Well, you just better be careful, friend, because uh, more times than not, they'll end up influencing you. And they'll have the wrong kind of influence on your life negatively. That's why the Lord said, tells us to come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. Uh, amen. So as a result, they departed from the, living, the true and living God, even though they committed to Joshua unto the Lord, they said, we will not forsake the Lord our God. We'll be like Joshua when he made that famous statement. He said, choose you this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. See, one thing about Joshua is whether it be the beginning, the middle, or the end of his life, he was a faithful servant. Amen. And uh, that's what I want to I want to be a faithful servant, not just as a young man, but as an older man as well. Well, they departed, and the Lord had to send down uh, enemies, uh, different enemies, whether it be the Philistines, the Hittites, uh, amen, different groups to temporarily oppress God's people as a form of chastisement to remind them that they couldn't make it without Him. They needed Him in order to thrive and to prosper. And then as a result of that time of chastisement, God's people would repent and they'd turn back to God until they once again forgot Him. And it's just this cycle that we see occurring over and over again. Yet God periodically would raise up a deliverer. Uh, amen. Samson was one of the judges. Uh, amen. Gideon was one of the judges of whom God uh, providentially and sovereignly uh, raised up to deliver God's people uh, from the hand of the enemy. So that is the, the context of the book of Ruth. It, uh, was a, it occurred during a time of oppression when God's people were being oppressed. They had seen their better days. And friend, I want to say to you that the day that you and I are living in, it also is a day of oppression. Uh, you say, who are we being oppressed by? Well, we're being oppressed by the enemy, amen. We're being oppressed uh, by the world. 
Uh, amen. May I, may I remind you, friend, the world is not your friend. The world is your enemy. The world has nothing good to offer you. Uh, you cannot trust the world. You can't trust the people of the world. We are to be in the world, but we're not of the world. I mean, it was a time of oppression, and we are certainly living in a time to where the enemy's breathing down uh, the church's neck. Uh, a lot of God's people are living lives of intimidation and frustration and uh, discouragement and depression just because the devil's turning the heat up on the people of God. Can I get a witness tonight? But not only was there at a time of oppression, but there was also a situation that there was a famine in the land. Uh, again, uh, <laughs> And what was so, and well, no, let me, let me, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Uh, you know, the truth of the matter is, even though they were in the will of God, uh, they were within the land that God had promised to them, but yet still God allowed them not only to experience times of oppression, uh, amen, but also times of deprivation, amen, to where uh, He allowed them to temporarily go without to test them to see whether or not uh, they'd stay true and faithful. You know, there's just, what, what is it that they, what they've said? You've heard it said time and time again. There's just some things that we can't do anything about. And, the, you know, we say, well, I wish I was raised in a different generation, amen. Back in the old time days, when people had a desire to live for God and when Christianity was a popular thing, so to speak, amen. And, boy, we sure are living in tough days. But yet I want to say to you tonight that we're living in, in the, the, the days that God has appointed for us to live in. Amen. And, and He hadn't promised us it'd be easy. He didn't promise us that there wouldn't be trials and hardships and adversities. So there's some things that we can't do. There's a lot, a lot of times we cannot, uh, amen, change our circumstances. Well, there's some things in my life I wish I could change, don't you? Uh, boy, there's some things I've done in my life that I wish I could change. But you know, there's, we cannot change the circumstances. What we ca can do is uh, change how we react to the circumstances of life. What are you going to do during a time of uh, oppression when the enemy is oppressing you? Uh, amen. When God allows. And may I remind you tonight that anything that happens... Hey, the devil cannot touch your life unless God gives him permission to do so. Amen. All things work together for good. Amen. My life is not a coincidence. It is not an accident. Amen. But my steps are ordained by the Lord. So there's always a reason for it. I may not always like it, but God's got a purpose. He's got a plan. And a lot of times He just wants to see how I'm going to respond to it. Amen. God, God develops faith in us by proving Himself faithful to us. See, if Elimelech had chosen to, to keep his family in Bethlehem, Judah, the place of bread, and brother, if God said it's a place of bread, sooner or later there's going to be bread. But if Elimelech had said, no, I'm not going to Moab, but I'm going to stay faithful during the time of oppression, uh, during the hard times and during the famine, Amen. He, he, he wouldn't be, he, he wouldn't, uh, his family wouldn't be uh, in Moab when God sent bread. 
to Bethlehem, Judah. So how are we going to respond to the times of oppression, to the times of deprivation, to the famine? You know, what we want to do is we want to change our circumstances. Amen. We want, we want to, uh, uh, we know, God gave Ruth, a, or excuse me, God gave Naomi a new beginning. We're going to see it at the end of the chapter. But boy, she sure had to go through a lot before he ever did it. Amen. What, how are we going to respond to the famine? Hey, do you know God can provide for you in the famine? I have yet to see the righteous forsaken nor his seed begged for bread. But my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and mercy by Christ Jesus. My God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. I'm telling you, friend, we're living in days, and I'm not talking about, amen, right now, we, we live in a, in, a, in, a, in a nation of abundance. Amen. God could allow it to end up being a place of poverty, but He's still the same God. Amen. He can, he, can, uh, he can provide for you just as easily when there is no bread as, as much as He can when there's plenty of bread. Hallelujah. Why? Because His coffers are full and His... Amen. Uh, his storehouse never runs dry. God's got plenty of grace. Amen. We're going to find that later on. Now there's a location, a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah. By the way, the word Bethlehem, Judah means the house of bread. That's where I want to be, the house of bread. Amen. If you need bread tonight, you know where you need to go, the house of bread. Say, preacher, where's the house of bread? Well, the first place it is your prayer closet. Amen. The Word of God is, a, is the book of bread. Do you believe the Word of God is the bread of life? Amen. If, you're, uh, amen. if your family needs bread tonight, why don't you just get them in the book? No, no reason for God's people to be underfed or malnourished. Right? You know another good place where you can find bread? God's house. Amen. I tell you what, I, I, uh, there ain't nothing like... <laughs> Uh, amen. Coming up to the table, just like old, uh, help me, Lord, tonight. Uh, just like uh, Mephibosheth. Amen. He 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 was, hallelujah. Amen. He was from the he was uh, from the the land of Lodabar. Lodabar means a place where there ain't no bread. He had a lot against him. Amen. He was crippled. He couldn't even find himself any bread. He was dependent upon somebody else to. To give him bread to eat. Not only that, he was an enemy of the king. He was one of Saul's sons. But yet David saw fit to show kindness unto Mephibosheth, even though he didn't deserve it. Just like Boaz chose to show kindness unto Ruth, even though Ruth was a Moabitess. Yet there was something about Boaz, or that Ruth, that caught Boaz's eye. Hallelujah. Yeah, man. And amen. David sent Zeba down to Lodabar, brought Mephibosheth, that crippled boy, the place where there's no bread. Uh, amen. He was an enemy of the king, but yet the king saw fit to show favor to him, brought him uh, to the king's house and set him at the king's table. And every single day, Mephibosheth feasted on the fresh bread that was reserved for the king's son. Amen. Hey, if the Lord did that for Mephibosheth, He'll do that for us. 
I'm thankful that I know where to go when I need to find bread. You know, God can give you bread during the famine. Isn't that what uh, the Lord did for Elijah at the brook Cherith? He fed him every single day. Amen. He used a, was it a raven, amen, to bring, uh, bring uh, fresh meat or bread to eat. And, uh, amen. And even when the brook dried up, God had a, woman, a widow woman down at Zarephath. That it that only had enough meal to make, uh, only had enough bread to make it make one final meal for her and her son. By faith she fed the man of God, and Amen. There was always plenty enough bread at the bottom of the barrel. God can take care of His people during even during times of leanness. Amen. Say, so preacher, what's your advice? Stay at Bethlehem, Judah. You know, there's times in your life to where the logical thing to do is to leave Bethlehem, Judah. Tuck tail and run, just like uh, the, the remnant in, in Judah did after Jerusalem had been defeated. Common sense told them to go to Egypt. God said, stay where I put you. Stay in the will of God. Stay in the place of God. He said, I'll give you what you need. I'll supply you your life with plenty of bread. But he made a decision. He went to sojourn in the country of Moab. Friend, it's never God's will. Moab is a type of the world. Just like Egypt is a type of the world. And it is never, you listen to me tonight, friend, it is never according to the will of God for you to go to the enemy, to go to the world to find what you need spiritually. Amen. The devil said, I got plenty of bread. But it's a counterfeit bread. It's leavened bread. It's, it, amen, it's bread that will poison you. Amen, it may taste like the best thing you ever put in your mouth. Amen, but it will kill you and your family. You better be satisfied with the bread that comes from the Father's house. You helped me preach tonight. Amen, I'm telling you, we're living in the great falling away. I believe that. Perilous times. Falling away from the faith. And every one of us are in danger focusing on the physical and the tangible rather than spiritual and say, it'd be a lot better off in Moab than it is here at Bethlehem, Judah during the famine. You better tell the devil to take a hike because he's a liar. Ain't no better place. You know what? <laughs> and boy, I'm getting ahead of myself, but I'm trying to mind the Lord tonight. I believe God's got a message for us from the pulpit to the pew. Do you know... When Naomi came back to Bethlehem, Judah, you know what the testimony of her friends were? First of all, they couldn't, couldn't even recognize her. Is that Naomi? Is that the same one that left here? But you know what the, their testimony was? She left full. She came home empty. But I have a good, and this is just Baleology, this is just me putting my two cents worth. I have a feeling that when Elimelech left Bethlehem, Judah for Moab, if you would have asked you, asked Elimelech, how are things going? He said, I'm empty and I'm going to Moab to get full. He was listening to the lies of the devil. Amen? Listen, you know a lot, uh, what we want to do, we want to pour mouth and talk about how bad our lives are and amen and 
Oh man, I, I wish we're not satisfied and content with the lot that the Lord's, the portion God's give to us and the lot He's bestowed upon us. And I wish I had this and I wish I had that. And I wish I was here or I wish I was there. But you know what? Every one of us could probably say we're full tonight. See, the devil wants to convince you that even though you're in Bethlehem, Judah, the house of bread, you're empty. When in reality, you're full. If you just look at it through the spiritual eyes rather than tangible. Amen. Anytime you leave the will of God for Egypt or Moab, amen, you'll leave full and you'll come home empty. It's what happened to Elimelech and Naomi. Amen. They sojourned in the country of Moab. Companions. He and his wife and his two sons. You know, it's a tragic thing. It's bad enough that Elimelech left the house of bread for Moab. But the greatest tragedy of all is that he took his wife and sons with him. Amen. And you know, that's what's happening in our world today. God's people are leaving the place of bread and taking their family to Moab. You help me preach tonight. Isn't that what's happening? A amen. Parents think that Moab's better than the, ha the place of bread. Yeah, man. Uh, amen. The devil's got mom and daddy convinced, amen, that the world has more to offer them than God does. Satan's convinced us, amen, that every, all the tools and the trinkets and the bread of Moab is better than the, the bread of Bethlehem Judah. Brother, you can't improve on God's bread. Amen? The church house is better than the basketball court. Huh? My kids will get more uh, from sitting on a church pew and listening to the preacher preach than they will Amen. Trying to be something they'll never become, and that is Michael Jordan. You know, there's an infatuation amongst young people with celebrities and musicians and movie stars and all these other things, people of the world. Amen. Uh, amen. What happened to young people whose heroes were men and women of God? Amen. Problem is, parents are pushing them to the world. Amen. Look to put your hope in Moab rather than in Bethlehem, Judah. Do you know your kids' hope will be where yours is? If my eyes are on Moab, my kids' eyes will be on Moab. If I find my satisfaction and my contentment in life, uh, uh, amen, in Egypt, then my kids more than likely will do the same thing. Whatever your appetite is, if, amen, if you cultivate an appetite in your life for the bread of Moab, then amen your kids will probably end up having the same appetite. You help me preach, you see. Companions, he, his wife, and his two sons. God's people leading their kids to Moab instead of leaving them in the place of bread. Identification. Verse 2, and the name of the man was Elimelech, the name of his wife Naomi, the name of his two sons Malon and Chilion, Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah. You know, the name Elimelech means a man of the king. He was a servant of the king. I don't know if he, had, he was of royal lineage or not. I didn't find that to be the case. It may have been. 
Listen, brother, he may have been a man of the king, but he sure wasn't acting like one. Just because you've got, just, amen, just, just because the Lord has allowed you to be one of his children doesn't mean you're, uh, amen, uh, making a good representation of his name. I need to live up to the name. Amen. The Lord, amen, was not ashamed to identify with me, so I need to live up, amen, to the standard, the fact that I'm one of the king's sons. Amen. Walk worthy of your vocation. I believe that's what the Bible says. His name means man of the king. Naomi's name means that she was pleasant. But if you study her, we're going to find out here in a minute, Amen. She might have started out pleasant when she was in Bethlehem, Judah, but when she came back, she was full of bitterness. Mm. Malon means sickly. Chilion means wasteful. Even though they were Ephrathites, which means fruitful. They had plenty of potential, but they were still sickly and wasteful. Because mom and daddy chose to nourish them with the wrong kind of food. What kind of bread are you feeding your kids? Amen. Preacher, what are you doing? I'm just giving you what the Bible says. Amen. Listen, you know what some of us parents need to do? Change our kids' diet. Put them on. Just because, amen, just because uh, everybody else is, Feeding their kids leavened bread doesn't mean you, you've got to do the same. I, I, I'm not going to be held responsible for how brother such and such or sister so and so, what kind of bread she, he and she feeds their kids. When I stand before God, what kind of bread did I give them? Amen. And there is good bread. Amen. There's good bread and there's bad bread. Amen. Boy, I'd, I'd preach if y'all would help me. A relocation. And they came into the country of Moab and they continued there. Amen. Not just visit. And this goes back to kind of like Lot and Sodom. He saw it. He pitched his tent towards it. Set his face towards it. Then he got as close to it as he could and he ended up dwelling there where are you dwelling amen best thing you can do is stay away from moab because the moab the more of moab the more of a taste of moab your flesh gets the more it's going to want your flesh has a natural attraction to moab your flesh has an appetite for moab so the more you abide it, the more time you spend in Moab, the more time you're going to want to spend. Could it be, and again, I don't know for sure, that Elimelech had no plans of spending 10 years in Moab. Well, we're just going to go for a vacation. We're just going to go for a couple of weeks. Amen. The famine's going to end in a year or so. So let's just go to Moab for a little while. We don't want to stay there because we know that if we stay too long, it'll have a negative effect. Next thing you know, he'd been in Moab for 10 years. Friend, don't you ever get... I mean, do we, do we feel more comfortable tonight in Moab or Bethlehem, Judah? If I ever get comfortable 
What's a place of comfort? Home. I mean, I can go visit somewhere I might like it, but sooner or later I want to go home. If Moab ever becomes home for you, brother, you're in a bad place. But I'm afraid there's a lot of so-called Christians today that feel more comfortable in Moab than they do in the house of bread. Something's wrong. Amen. Your spiritual nature, which should be stronger than your uh, fleshly nature, uh, ought to have a greater desire for the house of bread than it does the leavened bread of Moab. Termination. And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was she left, as did her two sons. Say, preacher, what do you see here? Well, I, I think that you say, why did Elimelech leave Bethlehem, Judah? Well, again, his sons' names meant, meant sickly and wasteful. In other words, well, they're not getting what they need in Bethlehem, Judah. You, you ever heard that? I mean, that's, you know, bad thinking. When you start thinking wrong, you'll, start, you'll eventually start living wrong. Amen. How a person thinks will influence how they talk, and what they, how they talk will eventually change how they live. But, but again, his kids were pleasant. They were, they, they, were, they were sickly and wasteful. They were malnourished. And, and he, I really, and it, this is just me, all right? Satan inspired. But, but I'm just saying, I really believe that when Elimelech left Bethlehem, Judah, he did so because he, didn't want, he did so with good intentions. There's a lot of people that's left Bethlehem, Judah with good intentions. But brother, good intentions don't excuse you from bad decisions. Amen. He did so because he was afraid that they would die. In Bethlehem, Judah. Again, I don't know for sure, but could it be that the famine then spread to Moab? Kind of like Jeremiah and, and amen, Nebuchadnezzar. They were afraid of what ne how Neb Nebuchadnezzar would respond and retaliate against the remnant. So they said, we're going to go to Egypt because we'll be safer in Egypt than we will in Judah. Well, what happened? Nebuchadnezzar attacked Egypt and they had to go through the same thing they had already went through in Egypt. Man, they had good intentions to escape, to run from their problems. Brother, you can't run from your problems. Your problems will follow you. Amen. They didn't want their sons to die in Bethlehem, Judah. So they said, we're going to find life. In Friend, you'll never find life in Moab. Listen, if God's will is for me to die, I want to make sure I die in the center of God's will. Union. And they took them wives of the women of Moab. Boy, I could say so much more. I may die, but I want to die in the will of God at the time of God's appointment. Could it be that, that and again, I don't know, could it be that Abimelech, uh, Malon, and Chilion might have continued to live longer than what they did live if that only remained in the will of God? I don't know. 
took them wives of the women of Moab. You go to Moab to be an influence, Moab will end up influencing you. Amen? So I'm going to go to, see, and that's, brother, that is, you know, our methods. People say, well, it's, methods of evangelism aren't important. It's about the message. We can change our methods as long as we stay faithful to the message. Amen. And we want to cater the way we present the gospel to those who are seeker-friendly. Amen. To make sure that they're comfortable with the message. And what we end up doing is we end up having to conform the message to Moab. In other words, well, if we're going to help them, See, this is the philosophy of today's church. The philosophy of today's church is we can, re we can reach the world by giving them leavened bread. And what we're doing is we're poisoning them. You better make sure that your family's getting the right kind of bread. Amen! Amen! Well, as long as they're getting bread, what does it matter? No, my friend, it matters. Amen. You can give somebody a cup of water, glass of water. If it's 1% poison, it'll kill them. Amen. You spend enough time in Moab, Moab will rub off on you. And they, they married, which was contrary to God's Word and God's will. They married Moabite women. Orpha. You know what that means? I've got to be careful here with you. Stiff-necked. Amen. Y'all get that, won't you? I'm not going to say a word. Orpha. It means stiff-necked. Ruth means a, a friend or a mate. Uh, can I say this? Young people, you need to make sure that you are selective when it comes to your mate. Who you date and who you don't date. Who your friends are and who they're not. You know one of the greatest blessings that God bestowed upon me in my life? Maybe she can be stubborn and stiff-necked from time to time, but praise God, amen, uh, she was the right kind of mate. I found her in God's house. Duration. And they dwelt there about ten years. I believe they stayed. Sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay. And it'll cost you more than you want to pay. Repetition. And Malon and Chilion, they died, both of them, whose hands were their blood on Elimelech's. Where do you want your kids to die? Do you know most, more than likely they're going to die where you die? Amen. Does your kids... What kind of narrative... Are your kids going to have a daddy that he started out in Bethlehem, Judah? And he died in Bethlehem, Judah? Or he might have started in Bethlehem, Judah, but he died in Moab. Most likely, if that's where you die, that's where they'll die. Amen? No man dieth unto himself. Amen? They died, both of them, deprivation. And the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. She lost everything. Amen. You better stay in Bethlehem, Judah. You make a bargain with the devil, he'll promise you the world and he'll leave you with nothing. 
decision, she arose with her daughters in law that she might return from the country of Moab. Greatest decision Naomi ever made was to return from Moab. Reminds me of the prodigal son. <laughs> Amen. It's one thing. Uh, no doubt about it. People say, well, you know, can God's people get in the pig pen? Of course. Can God's people go to the far country? Yes, I'm a, an example of it. We all can say there's been times where we've strayed from the Father's house. Bless God, if you want to hear sons, you won't stay there. It's contrary to your nature. I may be, praise, praise God from time to time, I'm foolish enough to choose pig slop over fresh uh, great beef at the Father's house. But brother, when it, one of these days, I'm going to wake up and say, Amen. Beef at daddy's house, steak tastes better than pig slop. A hog, on the other hand, he's going to choose that slop. Amen. She came to, amen. She decides, she, remember, the theme of this message is are you blessable? Can I just say to you tonight, God will never bless you in Moab. You know, we're asking God to bless us. Oh, God, bless us. Question is, have you returned from Moab? Is that not why God has? Can we? Can, is it an accurate statement to say that, that God is in the process of removing His hand of favor off America? Say so revive America. Question is, has America returned from Moab? Huh? Bless our young, bless our families. God bless me more than what I have. Are you blessable? God ain't going to bless you in Moab. You're going to have to get out of Moab and, and, and go back to the place of bread. You need manna? God, God give me manna. Well, God's saying, here it is. Come get it. We want God to do His part and our part. He said, I'll do it, but there's some things you've got to do, and you've got to repent. Amen. You've got to be willing to leave Moab, forsake Moab, and choose Bethlehem, Judah. <clears throat> she returned, visitation. <laughs> she had heard, verse 6, in the country of Moab, how that the Lord has visited his people. You know, that, isn't that, that's why you need to stay in Bethlehem, Judah, even during a famine, because Bethlehem, Judah is a place of bread. You may not, you say, I don't have bread right now. Well, you just wait a little while. God will send it to you if you stay faithful. Amen. United Baptist Church, we need more bread. We don't need to go to Moab. Amen. We don't need to start providing you say, how are we going to fill this church? Well, brother, you could fill it up by giving them, uh, amen, leaven bread. But you'll do it without God's favor. You'll be in it, but God won't. But brother, we just stay faithful. Stay by the stuff. During the hard times, during the times of, of, of oppression, and during the times of deprivation, and sooner or later, God's going to prepare a table. In the place of bread. And you know, when God starts sending bread to us, other people will come. Other people who are genuinely hungry will come because they need this world needs bread. 
you hear me tonight? This world needs bread. There are still people out there. They may not be the majority, but brother, I'm telling you, there's men and women in this world. They're looking for bread, and God wants to give it to them through us. He ain't going to give them bread. When we, if we choose to go to Moab, we've got to stay at the place of bread. Vacation. Wherefore she went forth out of the place where she was. She said, Preacher, I'm not happy with where I'm at. I'm not happy with the way things are in my life. Well, what are you going to do about it? Do something about it. You can't, you, you, you know what? You keep doing the same thing, you're going to keep getting the same thing. Amen. If, if where you're at, if, if, if the, the, and I'm not talking about things that we can't change, but brother, if you can change it, change it. If you can fix it, fix it. If you can do something different, do it. And Naomi decided she needed a relocation. And she made the, probably the decision that saved her life, a devotion, her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on the way to return into the land of Judah. Now, Naomi just wasn't responsible for herself. She was responsible for her daughter-in-laws, Orpha and Ruth. I'm not going to read the next... Five ver- uh, yeah, five verses, 8 through 13. But basically, when they began to follow her, and you know, both expressed an interest to return with her, Naomi, back to Bethlehem, Judah, she recommended for them to stay in Moab. Now, can I say to you that was a wrong recommendation? And we even see here that she, when she deals with Ruth, after she's dealt with Orpha, she says, go back to your gods. See, what happens when you go to Moab, it, it, it clouds your thinking. You start thinking wrong. Amen. You start uh, receiving the wrong kind of counsel. Amen. There's an absence of wisdom and you're blind concerning the truth. But and I don't know, but man, I, I tell you, it did hit me like a brick. Why, did, was nothing, why didn't Naomi want Orpha and Ruth to go with her back to Bethlehem Judah, one scholar that I read after said this, amen, because them being with her would, would be a tell, tell, amen, they'd be telling on her. Amen, re- re- revealing her sins. Where'd these girls come from? They ain't Jews, they're Moabites. Who's been in Moab? What you been doing while you there? I, I don't know, but it's a good thought. But there's a reason why Naomi was so persistent in trying to keep her daughter-in-laws from coming to Bethlehem Judah with her. Could it be she was more interested in covering her sins than she was seeing their soul saved? <clears throat> for it grieveth me much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Now we see here this, in- this inkling, this idea that God was somehow against Naomi. No, God wasn't against Naomi, the problem was she was living outside the favor of God. In other words, what was happening to her was not what God wanted to happen. It was a consequence of her decision to live in Moab rather than Bethlehem Bethlehem, Judah. You can't expect good things to happen when you're living outside the will of God. You're going to reap what you sow, brother. An evasion. And they lifted up their voice and wept and Orpha kissed her mother-in-law. She left. Orpha died and went to hell. And part of it could be blamed on her mother-in-law. Amen. 
How many kids are going to go to hell because mom and daddy pushed them towards Moab? There's a lot of preaching in this, isn't there? Amen? You better be making sure that, because I promise you, the, the, the current of the world, the pull of the world, the tug is pulling them towards Moab. And if you're not pulling them away from Moab, they don't stand a fighting chance. Most parents, sadly, including a lot of Christian parents, are pushing their kids more. They're, they're influencing their kids more to, 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 amen, to set their face towards Moab and to live in Moab and to find bread in Moab than they are Bethlehem Judah. Evasion. And they lifted up their voice and wept. She left adhesion, but Ruth clave unto her. Again, her name means a friend or a companion. One that would stick with it, with her. That's the kind of people we need. People would st stay by the stuff. Persuasion. She said, Behold, thy sister-in-law has gone back and her people and unto her gods. You go with her. What kind of advice is that? A determination. 16 and 17. Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee or return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. Whither thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people. Thy God, my God. Where thou diest, will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. Did you know odds were stacked against Ruth? Ending up in Bethlehem, Judah. Did you know she had no right to be in Bethlehem, Judah? In fact, the law commanded that she was not supposed to be in Bethlehem, Judah. <laughs> but she went anyway. <laughs> and she found grace in a place where she wasn't fine. She found bread in a place to where she was forbidden to obtain bread. That's what the grace of God can do. But she had to be persistent. Amen. She had to be committed to going after it. You say, why aren't we getting bread? Amen. I, I think it's in, it's in the book of Luke. What is the word I'm trying to... The, the friend who went to his friend's house knocking on the door for bread and for his... Yes, importunity. That's it. That's it. Great minds think a lot. Now listen. That word means persistent in other words she didn't quit knocking until they got the answer yeah you know the devil you know the problem you know why a lot of our kids are ended up Moab because the devil's more persistent and uh, has more importunity to drag them to Moab than we do to get them to Bethlehem Judah she wouldn't give up brother you ain't going to end up in Bethlehem Judah today by accident you're going to have to have a determination to stay there. Your kids are not going. You know what happens today? Amen. We, we say, well, I want my kids. And I think that a lot of times we have good intentions. I want my kids to turn out right. I want my kids to end up living for God. But yet, the whole, their whole childhood, we feed them a diet of Moab. And then we wonder, up, wonder why they end up in Moab.
if you don't make a determined, dedicated effort, if it is not the number one priority of your life to keep your kids out of Moab and in Bethlehem, Judah, brother, more than likely, they're going to end up in Moab. How important it is, is it for you to make sure your kids end up in Bethlehem, Judah? Don't, don't come to the preacher, oh, I don't know what, I, I did everything right. No, you didn't. I don't know why my kid, and, and don't get me wrong, I understand that there comes a point in time where kids got to make, I get that, but I'm just telling you, I got Bible to tell you, you train them up right, they're going to end up right. Am I preaching the truth tonight? They may go to Moab, but they ain't going to stay there. They're coming back home where the bread is. When you've, hey, once you've tasted real bread, the Father's bread, God's bread, they may be temporarily, um, uh, amen, uh, content temporarily with fake bread, false bread, Moab bread, leaven bread, but sooner or later they're going to want some of the real deal, brother. <laughs> Determination. Resignation. When she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she left speaking unto her. Again, steadfast. I mean, she, I mean, no matter what, I'm going with you, Naomi. Young people, that's what you need to do. You need to find you a godly influence in your life. Say, well, if it ain't mom and daddy, find somebody, a teacher, uh, a preacher, somebody that's going to lead you in the right way and be steadfast in your mind. I'm going with them because they're not going to Moab. They're going where the bread is. Vacation. She went forth out of the place where she was. Wait a minute, we've already done that, haven't we? Reaction, verse 19. We can go through all that again. They too went until they came to Bethlehem, and it came to pass when they were come to Bethlehem, all the city was moved about them, and they said, Is this Naomi? They, could, they didn't even recognize her. Amen? Brother, I'm just telling you, Moab will promise you the world. And leave you empty. Ain't nothing going to... You may start out good. So that's what the devil does. The devil wants to sell you a lemon. But, but what he does, he washes it real good, waxes it, cleans it up, makes it look like the best deal in the world. But then the moment you get it off the parking lot, it's going to fall apart. Ain't nothing... You, you, there's nothing good in Moab. Moab is not for you. Moab is against you. Moab is not your friend. Moab is your enemy. Disposition, she said unto them, Call me not Naomi, call me Mara. The word Mara means bitter. It's the same word, amen, after the Israelites had crossed the Red Sea. They came to bitter water. You know, from time to... Oh, I don't know if I'm glad I preached this. Hey, you know, from time to time, you're going to experience some bitter water in your life. That don't mean you got to get be bitter. That's right. This, this world's full of bitter water, right? But just because you were exposed to bitter water doesn't mean you yourself have to become bitter. A place of bitterness does not have to produce a person of bitterness. Amen? 
Your circumstances in life may change, but that doesn't mean you have to change. God can take your bitter water and turn it into sweet just by throwing the cross in the middle of it. Mara, man, don't let, you know, uh, you ever had some Moab experiences in life? Some unfairnesses, some injustices, some mistreatment. I mean, just, I mean, it, uh, listen, you taste it and it, you, you want to spit it out because it tastes terrible. And I'll never forget, I, I'm almost done. Dad, you and Holly can vouch for this. I remember the name. It was a sandwich shop on Stone Driving. You know exactly where I'm going. Stone Driving Kingsport. Me and Holly met Dad at, on his lunch break, and we was eating at that sandwich shop. And just before I left the sandwich shop, I wanted to go back and get another uh, a refill of tea. And I put my cup under that tea container. And I was in such a hurry, I didn't even watch it pour out and I and I got got a, about half full that's all I needed and took off and before I made it out the door I took a swig and, I, and you know what it was it was cleaner I mean it hadn't no more than hit my mouth and I started spitting it out huh because it tasted bitter and then but I didn't have but you know what I, I didn't swallow it I spit it out <laughs> huh I didn't dwell on it. I didn't allow that bitter taste to linger. I got rid of it. That afternoon, I, amen. You ever done it? Uh, that afternoon, every time, no matter how many times I spit, still, I still felt the taste of that cleaner, burning sensation in my mouth. Yeah, you know where, hey, just like, like William and his, and his hot stuff, amen. That guy's crazy, man. Amen. Listen, you taste that hot stuff and it'll stay with you the rest of the night. No matter how, what you drink, no matter how hard you try, you can't get rid of it. Keep spitting it out, brother. Because you swallow it, it'll stay with you. Amen. There's going to be some bitter places in life. But just because I go to a place of bitterness does not mean I have to become a bitter person. Naomi, again, what did her name mean? What did her name mean? Pleasant. She was a pleasant person, but she allowed her experience and her circumstance in Moab to turn in, her into a bitter person. And there's a lot of pleasant people that become bitter because they allow bitter seasons to make them bitter instead of making them better. Well, we all need to be on the altar. Attribution for the Almighty hath dealt bitterly. No, he hadn't. God hadn't done anything to her. You know, there are sometimes bitter seasons are just part of life, but you know there's some bitter seasons, there's some bitter water, bitter water, water you could avoid if you just stay in Bethlehem, Judah. Sometimes we, we can't blame God. we got to say it's my fault. And I went out full. And the Lord hath brought me home again empty. No, my friend. God didn't bring her home empty. It was just the consequences of the sins of her husband. And who knows, maybe she had an influence. We're getting ready to see in Jeremiah. Well, I, I'm getting ready to preach the women here in a week or two. Because the women, the Bible says this, ended up, the, the people ended up in Egypt because of the, the husbands were influenced by their wives. 
Mm. That's going to be fun. But you know who was still responsible? The men. That's right. Affliction. Why then call ye me Naomi? Pleasant, seeing the Lord hath testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me. God ain't testifying against you. The fact that you've got a Moabitess with you is all the testimony you need of where you've been and what you've been doing. Amen. And it's your, you know, a lot of times we're, when we're afflicted, we're afflicted by the consequences of our own sin. Reunion. Naomi returned. Oh, my. Let me, let's end it on a good note. <laughs> you see, she returned. Uh, friend, listen, you live long enough, you're going to go to Moab, most likely. But brother, it's up to you how long you stay. Best thing you can do is come to yourself and go back to daddy's house. Get back to Bethlehem, Judah, because the longer you stay, the worse it's going to get. I'm thankful, and I was talking to somebody today that said, boy, I'm thankful for that passage of Scripture. If we confess our sins, he's faithful. He's just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You may get Moab, you don't have to stay there. She returned with her, her daughter-in-law with, with her, which returned out of the country of Moab. Parents don't ever give up on bringing your kids out of Moab. I've not experienced that yet. But every godly parent, it's a fear that they have watching their kids leave Bethlehem, Judah and going to Moab. So, well, it's my fault because I exposed them to too much Moab. Well, but did you come home? Well, yeah, I came home. Well, now all you can do is, is do everything within your power to keep trying to get your kids. Don't ever give up. They'll return. Amen? Miss Ellen's a testimony of that. Amen. Don't ever give up. On your family, getting out of Moab and coming home to Bethlehem, Judah. Finally, occasion. Verse 22, listen. And they came to Bethlehem in the beginning <laughs> of barley harvest. They were hopeless. I mean, do you understand the odds that were against Naomi and Ruth? They've lost their husbands. And that day, that right there... I mean, back in that day, the women were totally dependent upon the men. And, 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 and basically, to be without a husband was to be at risk of starvation. Didn't have a provider. Didn't have nothing. And Ruth was a Moabitess. But yet God was bringing her into, into a season of harvest. Coming out of a place of bitterness into a new beginning, a place of harvest. Barley harvest. And she's getting ready to get her wagon loaded full of handfuls on purpose of grace. Friend, you may be in a season of bitterness right now. Just make sure you're blessable. And just wait on it because you stay at the house of bread. But, but listen, don't be the one that you hear about it and you miss out on it because everybody else is getting in and you're missing out because you, you ain't where you're supposed to be. But you make sure that you're rooted and grounded in the place of bread, Bethlehem, Judah. Stay out of Moab. Sooner or later, there's going to be a harvest season. 
Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. You reap Bethlehem, Judah, into the lives of your children sooner or later, you're going to reap some bread. There's hope tonight, church. Give you this illustration, and I'm through. Been a tough, tough weekend. Tough weekend. Devil hits you when you're sick a lot of times, doesn't he? Devil hits you when you're sick, when you're tired. Amen. Just like he did Elijah. Devil hit me. Felt sorry for myself. <laughs> Amen. Pretty bad shape. Till about 2.30 this afternoon. And out of the blue, you don't even know about this. I got a phone call from a man that I used to be very close to named Blackie Marshall. Met him and his wife at State Line Baptist Church. Sat right behind them. Their granddaughter was a baby. Madison is her name. Hadn't seen them. Last time we saw them was shortly after we had moved to Greenville 16, 15, 16 years ago. That's how long it's been. Since I mean, I prayed for this man, thought about him, talked to him. They were friends of ours. We went out to eat every Sunday night after church at Burgers R Us in Weber City, Virginia. Every Sunday night. We were close to these people. Hadn't heard from them in 15 years. I didn't even know his wife had passed away. And I just happened to look at Facebook Messenger. Now, folks, what I'm telling you, you can say it's an accident. I say, you crazy. Don't you rob me of my blessing. I know what God did for me. Out of the blue, I'm Facebook Messenger. A girl named Madison. Same little girl. It was a, she used to be a baby. Now she just graduated her master's degree from East Tennessee State. She said, do you know about a, a, a man by the name of Blackie Marshall? He's my granddaddy, and he's wanting to talk to you. Gave me his phone number. I was sitting in the car while Holly and Carolina Carly was spending my money in Marshall's. Called. Hello? This Black Blackie Marshall? Yes, sir. I said, this is Nick Bailey. Brother Nick. And here's the word that came out of this man's mouth. He said, the last few days, when I opened my Bible, he said, I kept coming across your name. He said, I always write in my Bible the sermons. And he said, I kept coming across your name. The first sermon I ever heard you preach at State Line, something just told me I needed to call you. And brother, that might not be a blessing to you, but for this fellow that was in the, the, the place of Elijah, having a pity party, feeling sorry for myself just to hear from a man that I prayed for and that I consider a true friend of mine right at the very moment that I needed to hear from him. Brother, that, that was some handfuls of purpose on bread that breathed just a little bit of life into this preacher to get, get me back in church and preach the Word of God tonight. That's what God does. God will give us what we need when we need it. And Lord willing, before Christmas, I'm going to go up there and visit with him and spend a little time rehashing the good old days. 
And I said, Brother Blackie, I said, do you remember that time when, in the church service when the preacher was preaching and he made the mistake of asking how many people in the church have ever been to jail and thir- three-fourths of the congregation raised their hand. He said, yeah, and I was one of them. <laughs> and oh, we just had a time of blessing and a time of fellowship just because God can take your bitterness, place of bitterness, and take it and turn it into a Bethlehem Judah experience. Let's all stand tonight. Father in heaven, I've done my best to preach the Word of God. Lord, I love you and I thank you and I praise you. Lord, I'm trusting that this study is going to be a blessing to us. Lord, it's already been a blessing to me. Lord, help us all to heed the lessons and the warnings. Father, the devil tells us we need to go to Moab. Help us to remember we may go, but we'll never be better off because of it. Help us to stay in Bethlehem, Judah during the times of oppression, during the times of deprivation, believing that in Your will and Your time, You will provide bread as long as we are in the place to where we can find bread. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, Amen as Pam plays tonight. You mind the Lord if God would have you to come to the altar The altar's open here this evening. Oh, yes, thankful for His grace tonight. Sing now, grace, grace, God's grace, grace that will pardon and cleanse within grace. Page 230, grace, God's grace, grace. That is greater than all our sin. Marvelous grace of our loving Lord. Grace that exceeds our sin and our guilt. Yonder on Calvary's Mount outpoured There where the blood of the Lamb Was spilt on the second seed And despair like the sea Waves cold Threaten the soul With infinite laws, grace that is greater, yes, grace untold, points to the refuge, the mighty cross, third dark.
work is the stain that we cannot hide. What can avail to wash it away? Look, there is flowing a crimson. Thank God, whiter than snow you may be today and the last marvelous infinite matchless grace freely bestowed on all who believe you that are longing to see his face will you this moment his grace receive sing now grace grace god's grace grace that will pardon and cleanse within grace grace god's grace grace that is greater than all sing it one more time the chorus now grace grace god's grace grace that will pardon and cleanse within grace grace god's grace grace that is greater than all our sin and if that's the testimony of your life tonight would you say amen thankful for the amazing grace of god where sin abounded grace did much more abound it sure has been good to be in the lord's house again i appreciate brother william preaching for me this morning amen and i'm going to ask him tonight to dismiss us in a word of prayer before we close <laughs>